0: Thank you so much for listening. So let's get started with this week's latest program to help you and your family take control of your health. Welcome, everyone. This is Dr. Mercola helping you take control of your health. And today we are joined by Dr. William Seeds, who's going to be uh, diving in deeply into how one can metabolically optimize and fine-tune your body so it'd be more resilient to... uh, encountering when it's countering infections like uh, infectious respiratory viruses like COVID-19 or SARS-CoV-2. So welcome and thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate being here. So you're, by training, you're a surgeon. And I guess one of your active uh, note, uh, functions is that you uh, teach peptides in the A4M community. So maybe you can help us understand how a surgeon gets into this type of approach.
1: <laughs> well, uh, that's a great question. And uh, thank you for the introduction. I'm my, my science background has always been cellular, molecular biology and, and biochemistry. And so that's something I've been um, deeply involved for the last 35 years. Uh, it it's parlayed into orthopedics in, in my specialty because of tissue healing and, you know, optimizing cell efficiency and and the flexibility of the cell to improve tissue healing in what we do surgically. So it's always played an integral role in what we've tried to do to optimize uh, patient outcomes with, with what we do. The The process of, of peptides has, has really been the the integral part of, you know, putting everything together, uh, that has everything to do with um, molecular medicine and cell metabolism and understanding the cell and how it works because of you know, over seven thousand different peptides that are hormones, ligands, enzymes, receptors that that we utilize to improve the efficiency of the cell, depending on what the problem is and. This is also parlayed into, you know, the use of uh, of nutrition and exercise and all the things that are important in understanding the cell, and what we can do to make the environment what it needs to be to optimize any outcome. And so, ketone esters absolutely play a significant role um, from us on the athletic side, on the tissue healing side, and and in just most importantly in the, in the ramifications and utilization of using uh, ketone esters and what we could provide here in the short run for uh, a metabolic therapy that everybody could put, take, take part of in understanding the importance of these esters uh, ketone esters to help people in states of, um, of injuries such as a viral infection like the uh, COVID-19. Uh,
0: okay. Well, Before we go into ketone esters and other strategies to increase uh, blood ketone levels, uh, let's review some of the reasons why one might consider this as a valuable therapy. Uh, And so there's deep uh, molecular biological sciences that supports this strategy. And uh, you've recently published a paper on this, and there's others that have written on this. So I'm wondering if we can, or you can review some of the major concepts here. Sure. so the, the real focus that we're all looking for
1: um, with, with, I think, what everybody uh, relates in, in all the papers that have, that have come about to this point are we're looking to reestablish the, the homeostasis of the cell, which is the basically the redox of the cell. And that is very important in, in con- controlling, an inflammatory state like like this in, in COVID. And um, the, the premise is behind what these esters do. They are these ketones do. And they, the ketones have the ability to give the cell an immediate energy source that doesn't utilize a lot of energy to use it, and that can be utilized to increase the efficiency of the cell very quickly. And to provide more as most most of your audience will will uh, i guess more understand is that it helps a cell produce more ATP or more energy that it may need to utilize to function where it is in a higher state of activity because of its stressors it's working against. it also does something really I, I think incredible where it it, it increases something that we call NADPH, which is a reducing agent, a nucleotide cofactor that's a reducing agent that is so important in controlling our body's ability to use our antioxidants like superoxide, desmutase, catalase, glutathione peroxidase, hemoxidase 1. All of these are so important in controlling the oxidative state of the cell. And so the ketone esters have the ability to elevate these reducing equivalents that can control that and, and help the body, you know, work against it. Um,
0: also have tremendous effects. Well, well, let's, on that. let's let's stop uh, there because let's stop there because I think that's an important point and one that's dramatically overlooked or frequently overlooked in the most conventional physicians. Uh, the NADPH in my view is probably one of the most important biomolecules right up there with NAD and ATP. But as you mentioned, it's a reducing equivalent and uh, essentially transfers electrons to help produce oxidative stress and recharges our endogenously produced antioxidants like glutathione, vitamin C, vitamin E, because once they're used, our antioxidants, whether they're endogenously produced or taken exogenously as a supplement, they're, no, they're worthless, they don't, they don't work. They need to be recharged and they're recharged essentially through this NADPH. That is a massively, massively important component and, and, and explains why many studies that attempted to show benefit from taking uh, high dose antioxidants just simply don't work because it, it's an indiscriminately prevent, preventing, suppressing beneficial free radicals. But when you do it with NADPH as you do with ketone bodies you're able to selectively and w- wisely discriminate against sp- which specific free radicals you want eliminated because you don't want to eliminate ben- many beneficial ones like nitric oxide would be a good example. In excess, it could be dangerous, but you need a certain uh, level of, of nitric oxide to perform ben- its beneficial effects.
1: Yeah, I think you've hit a, you know, that, that is the key to this is understanding you're benefiting your endogenous antioxidant system versus exogenously taking um, supplements that are potentially uh, reducing equivalents, and your 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 cells are intelligent are inherently intelligent and understand how to utilize these ratios of NADP over NADH NADPH, and nad over nadh it's it's giving the cell back the ability as as i discussed earlier in becoming efficient and flexible in utilizing something like uh nadph and that transfer of electrons is so critical because those electrons are constantly transferred because as those as you as you reduce glutathione peroxidase it goes out there and then it takes care of Uh, a superoxide or um, any other type of uh, free or possible free radical. And then that will take those electrons, but then it has to be, it has to be changed again. It has to be reduced again to be active. And, and that is the critical part of understanding this. And and especially in states of high demand, like COVID-19, where you've got for instance, the alveolar type 2 cells that are highly metabolically active that are producing superoxide desmatase in the lung area that needs to be there you know, to work against this free radical process that's being produced by a cytokine storm and so forth, you have to have the ability to constantly uh, provide that NADBH or you're in trouble. And, and that's what happens, uh, uh, whether it's a cytokine storm or an increased oxidative state um, this is how we get into trouble and how this leads to multitudes of aspects of uh, not just metabolic diseases, but immune diseases and, uh, and so forth. So uh, I think you're absolutely correct. And that's, that's a, I think that's what our our paper really brings to light, the importance of uh, this work that's been done for, for many, many years in realizing the capability of a of a again, a, uh, an energy source that's available to everyone uh, to, to utilize in, in this fashion.
0: Yeah, so in addition to the increase in ADPH, it, it also suppresses inflammatory pathways, which are present as a result of the infection, uh, and essentially initiates this inflammatory cascade of pro-inflammatory cytokines so one of the benefits of key, ketone augmentation, either endogenous or exogenous, is that you're able to suppress really potent pro-inflammatory pathways like NRLP3. And uh, the, the ketones are pretty effective at doing this, which is probably one of the reasons that in addition to the pH increase, why they're so effective uh, at, at doing this. So can you elaborate on that a bit? That. Sure. It,
1: so that that process you just described is talking about what the inflammasome is, and the inflammasome is is very active in. It's a it, the NLRP3 um, process is all about activation of the inflammasome. That is the key to where what something is called um, nuclear kappa beta. It's nuclear factor kappa B. It's a transcription factor in the nucleus that starts the production of like your interleukin 1 betas, your interleukin 6, your tumor necrosis factor alpha. uh, All of these pro-inflammatory cytokines that are turned on and start leading to this production, this overproduction of the innate part of the immune system that is the pro-inflammatory state. And the the ketone esters, what they're able to do is uh, through a process of, because, because we're also, besides the NADPH, we're also elevating the amount of NAD that the cell has, in particular, to upregulate the CERT genes. And In within the CERT genes, these are longevity genes, but that are also very important in deacetylating the inflammasome, and that is a vital part of controlling, directly controlling inflammation uh, based on an upregulation in the innate immune system. And this certain this this upregulation of the CERT gene, in particular CERT three, CERT three will activate. Uh, will deacetylate the inflammasome and will shut down this these all these pro-inflammatory cytokines, um, and that is a that's a critical state of being uh, of where you can control the the activity of, of a higher rate of production. Now, what's really important for people to understand is. The inflammasome is something. When I say shut down, I just mean it decreases the production because the inflammasome is something we need in the cell for the cell to adapt and the cell to change uh, depending on environment. So, so all of these pro-inflammatory agents we're talking about, like interleukin one beta and tumor necrosis factor alpha and interleukin six, are necessary for normal cell activity. But higher levels are what need to be controlled, and and so. That That's how the cell is able, again, as I said, we're giving the cell the, so to speak, nutrition it needs to make intelligent decisions of how to utilize what it already has to control the environment uh, when the the cell is getting out of its homeostatic pattern, and that's exactly what's happening.
0: Yeah, so you mentioned the sirtuin proteins, and they uh, are clearly beneficial, but they don't work unless they have fuel and the fuel they need is nad uh so the ketones can contribute to increasing nad levels which you give them the fuel to work uh and you mentioned cert three but there's also cert one and two which tend to be activated by uh m- many other beneficial nutrients that we take uh, in our diet some of them natural things like resveratrol which uh sinclair did a lot of work on activating cert one but CERT one is useless unless nad is up just like Mentioned earlier, and then SIRT2 is interesting in that it's activated by a a polyphenol flavonoid called quercetin, which I believe is a superior alternative to hydroxychloroquine because not only does it act like a a zinc ionophore to help uh, increase the zinc inside the cell, but it also activates SIRT2, and if you get enough NAD level, that's going to have beneficial effects on the inflammasome. So I'm wondering if you. looked at using corsetin or Zveritrol, or still being to activate these certs in addition to the ketones?
1: No, I mean, so, so there are some, there are some discussions that can be had about, um, you know, the, so the ketones, the ketones elevate all, they elevate NAD directly. And the NAD works on all that cert, cert one, cert two, cert three, all the way to cert six. And the, um, the the this is directly controlling that pool of NAD over NADH. Um, it's improving the it's in, it's not only improving the pool of redox, but it's also improving the pool of the salvage pathway of NAD, and
0: you know that when you're talking about resveratrol, there's there's a lot yeah, and how does it how does it do that by activating NAMPT, which is the rate limiting enzyme to recover n-a-d so so that the the
1: the any NAD, NAD nicotinamide uh uh phosphoribosyl transferase that you're talking about the uh the enzyme that is the rate limiting step of the salvage pathway for NAD. That's actually more, that's controlled more specifically through the circadian rhythm of, of those, the clock and the BLMA one, uh, genes that are, are actually, um, circadian genes that are activated. But the, 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 the NAD that here I'm I'm just talking about where what we're doing is we're we're elevating we're doing something to elevate the the redox but at the same time we're giving the cell the ability to utilize through let, let's go through this pathway of we're we're upregulating cert one so what are we doing with cert one that's going to upregulate the, the process of AMPK to PGC one alpha to improve the, the transcription factors for the mitochondria to improve mitochondrial biogenesis. Mitochondrial biogenesis, once that process starts, it starts activating and increases the salvage pathway at the same time because it needs, because it's you're you're, you're necessitating a, a demand for NAD. So it's kind of like using a, a scenario of where how metformin does some things to trick the cytochrome one into thinking it doesn't have enough energy. And then it has to upregulate that part of the oxidative phosphorylation uh, process to, to make more ATP. It's kind of that same concept, but it's doing it as a demand concept in, in, uh, in, in changing that. So, so you get a lot of these things working together that make, all the sense in the world, uh, where and you're not doing anything to sacrifice energy to do that.
0: Okay. So now that we discussed some of the science, um, I think it might be wise to dive into how you're applying this, because there's a number of ways that you can increase uh, ketones in your body. I think uh, certainly endogenously is probably the wisest strategy, and it would seem that that would. Also, augment any uh supplemental ketone administration that you're having, either through salts or esters. so I'm wondering if you can describe the process that you're doing now sure so so i like
1: I like using exogenous ketones because I can get an immediate change in ketone and ketosis depending on the amount of ketones that I use. In getting that millimole amount of ketone ester that we wish, and in particular, let's say we use a 10 mLs of a ketone ester.
0: No, how of the
1: of any of the wait. ketone ester available today is?
0: No, excuse me. There's there's a wide variety of ketone ester concentration, so maybe. Yeah, but there's you- only
1: there's only but there's only one on the market right now that is there's only two, and they have the same, they're the same makeup of. Uh,
0: of, no, no, that's uh, not true. The ketone eight has, I think, at least three different concentrations. So well, it-
1: okay, okay, so it de- I'm sorry. It depends on the ketone ester that the so the pure ketone ester, the the one three uh, butane dial uh, beta hydroxybutyrate is is like the classic ketone ester, okay, yeah, the- and that's the- going to be about that typically will come in. Um, the one the one that you're talking about it with ketone aid is it'll come in about if you it typically comes at about t- a 25 grams to a 30 gram type of
0: right. um, container. They have, they have far lower concentrations, which are much easier to consume and <laughs> less tasting like jet fuel.
1: <laughs> yeah so so you can so there are different ways to augment that for for sure to to lessen the amount of uh of that activity but but what we do is we take small amounts of that uh, so how many uh, how
0: many grams of the ester are you using? It's, it's about usually
1: amount. about five grams that's a small amount yeah that's all you need is five grams to to elevate your endogenous production of almost one millimole of uh of of ketosis
0: so with most people you can give them five grams and you'll get them up to a millimole you'll you'll get them up to
1: yeah with five grams absolutely um and you can so that's where if you're giving like this is this is done by blood blood measurement right yes sir Okay. Yeah. yeah and you can if you utilize let's say 25 grams um you'll get that to three to five anywhere from three to five millimoles of, uh, of ketone esters that'll be around for about three to four hours. So we've kind of found, we, we believe that that range anywhere above one millimole is going to be effective initially in the the amount of ketosis. We need to see those changes of exactly what we talked about, uh, NADPH, the NAD, um, the inflammasome action. Now when in our, in our treatment of of people that are in directly in a COVID situation where they're where we're trying to treat um, respiratory problems and, and and issues of where we want a higher millimole concentration, we're going to use the 25 milligrams, almost a, a 25 milligrams, to get that three to five uh, millimole. So these are these are
0: people in the hospital or getting ready to be hospitalized. Yeah, these are people
1: that are having respiratory issues initially before they're being hospitalized, where. Will utilize the the ketone to change their respiratory status, improve their forced vital capacity, to improve that. What what we're really what we're truly working on is relieving that bronchial constriction uh, and and working on changing that calcium balance uh, of that excitation coupling that's happening around that with the muscle around the bronchioles, and that's why the ketone esters are have been so effective for us because. We get a very very quick improvement in that bronchial uh, dilatation that that we're looking for to to help with just the respiratory part initially, uh, and that's been that's been absolutely a a wonderful tool for us as physicians to to be able to utilize early on you know where people are feeling that chest tightness and having some early respiratory changes. Um, we, we've done that. Now we've done it also on the back end of COVID where people have been treated that have still have respiratory issues and still have fatigue issues where this this ketone ester has been a tremendous benefit as a utilization in improving, you know, what we've just talked about, giving them that energy source um, for those issues that get people into the, the fatigue side of it, but also um, with the uh, the breathing aspects of uh, of the uh, bronchial constriction issues.
0: So I'm wondering how many people you've uh, used the ketone esters with who were symptomatic with 2. Uh, so I, I,
1: Dr. McColl, I've been very fortunate because of my uh, my cer my groups that I've that I work with in my uh, my Peptide Society, my SSRP Society. I work with hundreds, if not a thousands of doctors here around the U S of where I've been helping and describing these protocols that we can use for our, in, in these purposes, um, of early on treatment. And so I've been consulting with people, not just here in the U S, but everywhere all over the world and utilizing esters to help them early on with, uh, treating this as a, um, not, let's say not even when they're in the COVID process, I've even gone as far as having people utilize these as a prophylactic measure in working on improving the modulation of their immune system and to be more prepared if this happens. And, and so that I, I believe I've had a very good experience with working with many, many physicians. And, and I'm sure as you've, you're, you've probably had Um, some, possibly some videos sent to you from ketone aid that have showed you some of these things that we've been able to do with, uh, with patients of changing their respiratory status, uh, within, uh, within minutes of, you know, 15 to 20 minutes of changing their status of where they were, it had significant, not significant, but definite changes you could see on video of where they were having issues with, uh, with their breathing that were improved.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, it's one of three interventions that i convinced have pretty dramatic and nearly immediate benefit. One is the ketone esters, second would be molecular hydrogen, and the third would be nebulized hydrogen peroxide, which every one of those are close to miraculous. when they're, and, if, and I don't know that any clinician personally who's been able to incorporate all three but there's no reason why they couldn't be because there'd probably be a likely be a very powerful synergy between all, all three of them. So, um, let's, let's get into details though, We're focusing on the ketone esters, because there are a number of ways to increase ketones. Um, I'm a fan of doing it metabolically and naturally without any supplements. Not that I'm opposed to supplemental ketones and in, in the case where someone's acutely ill and you don't have to ha- have the luxury of having two to three, four weeks to metabolically adapt and be able to generate them endogenously. You, you can do that with the ketones, esters, as you mentioned earlier. But I think if you can do it naturally, it might be a wiser strategy, especially if you're interested in longevity. And uh, I personally follow a cyclical ketogenic diet, which I think is almost optimal for nearly everyone. So not low carb continuously, but low carb intermittently uh, because continuous low carb can be highly counterproductive. But, but in, into that, I integrate, and I think this is in the, one of the papers that was sent over to me, is the use of MCT oils, specifically caprylic acid, C8, and I take a lot of it. I take sometimes either six or seven ounces a day, and uh, if I'm if I'm on a low-carb day, I, my ketones will typically go between three and four with no ketone esters, and I'm not fasting. I'm eating three 4,000 calories a day, They're usually about 3,500 to 4,000 calories. So it's pretty dramatic what you can do with simple metabolic uh interventions without the use of supplemental ketones.
1: Yeah, I so I uh I have no I have no disagreement with uh with a metabolic approach with a ketogenic type of diet. I only when I do utilize it, I have people cycle through it. I don't have them on it long term yeah. just just because of the acidic issues and and what I know it can potentially do, unless you're addressing the base aspects of, of a ketogenic diet, you're going to have issues down the road with uh, washing out alkali out of the bone and, and you're going to have some electrolyte issues. Um, but the I really like your, your idea on your middle chain uh, fatty acids. Um, uh, they are, they're absolutely, a, I think, a, a wonderful utilization of a substrate that most people don't know about. And, and I think that is brilliant. Um bring that yeah. up.
0: Well, we need we need fat in our diet. And it's, yeah. to me, it seems the most benign fat you can possibly have. because uh, there's so many dangers you can go pick the wrong fats. Obviously, processed vegetable oils are just a disaster, probably worse than having high amounts of sugar. But even if you take healthy oils, you're gonna get too much omega six, that's gonna be metabolically catastrophic too. Yeah. So you know, it, it, you have to be really careful. I mean, and the, the nice thing about the MCTs is they're 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 saturated fats. They're very small small chains. Usually, if it's caprylic acid, it's only eight carbons. Uh, but it seems to be essential, essentially inert, and almost just a pure form of energy. Well, it's
1: interesting you bring this up because there's there actually is some research that's coming out now looking at the some of the science that had looked at uh, epilepsy and, and the aspects of how ketones potentially were the source of possibly um, affecting that, that, that threshold. And it looks like it may be more focused on the middle chain fatty acids. And, and that's some real interesting research that, that, uh, that I think is um, relevant and, and continuing to follow. Uh, I think you make a really good point. What I like what you're saying is that, you know, people, when they think of like coconut oil, they think that's all middle chain fatty acids, but you're specifically talking about the, the, the C8 and possibly C10, but I like the C8 as far as that is the most metabolically active uh, fatty acid chain, middle chain fatty acid that you can utilize. And um, the only other thing I would say is, you know, you it's harder. The only thing you got to get around unless you have some tips on this um, is the issue of the gastric distress and people having to <laughs> build up slowly with this because you're taking high levels. I if I gave that to somebody t- tomorrow, they would be, you know, where they'd be. Yeah. But you, you've got to work people into that. And I but I think it's possible. I, I do that all oh, the yeah. time. And I think you I think that's a this is wonderful that you bring this up.
0: Yeah, you you bring up a very valid point, and I myself experienced disaster pants when I sought to increase the dose too quickly. You've got to start slowly, and for some people, it's a teaspoon, one yes. teaspoon. I'm taking it up to fourteen tablespoons a day. But yes. I, I've done. I've increased to that dose over years. So you know my body's adapted to it, but you're right. You will get a massive loose stool almost immediate. It's like a purge. It's like a, a lax, a, a massive laxative. So you have to be really careful. But these medium chain triglycerides are so powerful, and you can get the the the, the least expensive ones are mm-hmm. the ones that have the C8 and the C10, and they do work, but they're nowhere as effective as the C8 exclusively caprylic acid, right. which is more it's pricier, but You know, I mean, a bottle is maybe 25 bucks for a pint, but it's still relatively, it's a fraction of the cost of the ketone esters. And And I'm not disparaging ketone esters. I love them. I embrace them. I think they're God's gift to humanity, especially in scenarios where you don't have a choice of being exposed to high sources of oxidative stresses, such as when you're flying or more commonly when you're exposed to a CAT scan and i mean the ionizing radiation damage caused from that is 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 so dramatic and these ketone esters can mitigate a vast majority probably somewhere between 75 and 90% of it if you take them wisely so yeah they're they're there's something that i believe that should be in everyone's toolkit well we actually we actually have data
1: on that 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 is going to be published that that's a it's actually 100% it works. Oh, it's hundred percent radiation.
0: Okay, yeah. and what's the, and what's the dosing timing? Because that's something that's always eluded me when I've reviewed Beach's papers on this, because it, he had the peculiar strategy of giving the dose twenty-four hours post-exposure, which seemed to me to be ludicrous. But what what what, what is the timing that you you guys found one hundred percent at?
1: Well, so so our process here is just going to say any it's twenty minutes before, and then okay. through that
0: makes more sense.
1: Yes. Yeah. Well that's so um they're not they're they're benefits all the way through um mm-hmm. and as as you can imagine we're we're i think we're just further along of where we can understand um where the utilization is even more important and and there's more aspects of of these different pathways that we're, we we want to activate early on so um, and and you can get these changes like like I said within 20 minutes you can get these these uh, ketone elevations that are just essential and and this is why this is why that breathing uh, aspect is so interesting in how we we've, we've kind of evolved in understanding the the mechanisms of what's happening with and, and how it's quickly changing that that problem of the intracellular calcium and and decreased pH and how, how quickly that NADPH actually helps in reducing that oxidative state in the cytoplasm that has an effect on the, you know, the circa pump, which is what's going to pull back the calcium into the endoplasmic reticulum or sarcoplasmic reticulum to, to improve the ability to have that excitation coupling that you need. And that's, that's something vital and important to understand in athleticism also um, there's so, there's so many crossovers here that are, I think are just incredible. And, and that's why I I think this is where this is, I think this is just a valuable conversation we're having because we're really getting down to, yes, there are absolute indications for MCT, there are absolute indications for ketone esters. And I even think there's absolute indications for both and, and that's even that's even a better. Uh, there, there are even other scenarios there that, that you can uh, you can utilize that. But I, I'll caution people too. When you do that, you're going to be got be to be very careful, as we said, about how much you start people with the MCT. And that yeah, half yeah, a yeah. teaspoon is absolutely well, the first place yeah, Dom, to start if you are using yeah. a pure.
0: Don Diagostino firmly believes that MCTs are a wonderful synergy with using uh, exogenous ketone esters. They work really well together. So um, the uh, question I have, though, relates to your experience on using this intervention with people having relatively high amounts of carbs. Because I know personally that on my high carb day, which isn't really particularly high, but 100 grams of carbs, maybe 125, 150, depends, but usually closer to 100. It will be, even when I take the 14 tablespoons of carbs, of um, the MCT oils, it will be difficult for me to get above two millimoles. whereas on a day where I'm below 50, I'll go to four millimoles. And it's sort of an extension of that process when I've been using the exogenous ketones because I've had an exposure like to, to ionizing radiation, or I'm flying and I'm taking the MCT oils and fasting, I can get just it, it, I can get my ketone levels to eight to eight. Which is crazy. Normally, you can't get to eight. It's hard, hard, really hard to get to eight unless you've been fasting for a week. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, you can get dramatic increases. So, I'm wondering if you have, with your interventions, if you've explored the issue of at least seeking people to get into the low carb mess, uh, area, because insulin, as we know, is going to inhibit the production of ketones. So, so and if you're having a lot of carbs, your insulin levels are going to be elevated, relatively elevated at least. So, it would be more difficult to make. You could still make them, but you're not going to make as met, much of them.
1: Yes. We're Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. I think so. That's a part of. That's a relevant part of the paper we discuss and how, you know, carbohydrates are, are something that absolute are something that need to be reduced if you're trying to get the efficiency out of these these ketones and. Um, so utilizing ketones and, uh, if you're trying to do it in the, in, in where, where I've utilized them in, let's say it's not, I'm not working on this COVID status, but I'm, I'm working in, I like to use them, um, in the uh, process of people that are within intermittent fasting. They're trying to do that in breaking their fast. I might end with the ketones. Um, I do it with low carb because, and, and I'm talking like. Um, you know hundred gram hundred at the max, maybe maybe one hundred fifty I like I think you still will get great benefits with the ketones. Um, the problem now, I do like using the ketones post workout for people that are trying to work on anabolism and and repair. I do like using ketones where people are mixing high carbs and protein and the ketones because what it is doing is keeping insulin at a higher rate. Um, at a higher level, to utilize all of those carbs and so forth um, uh, in the repair status. So I do like those, and those are very productive. And it's it's just about timing and how because yeah. that's just doing something else, um, working on uh, uh, inhibiting uh, histone deacetylase and and in helping that repair aspect of of what you're working on post workout, um, post training, but otherwise. I always try to have people utilize these ketones in between their meals um, so that it's something more uh, that that where they're not affected by a, a higher uh, glucose level and it also tends to you know the the important fact to bring up about ketones is we're we're not in we're not increasing fat oxidation by using ketones, and so we're not essentially helping people oxidize fat better but what we are doing when we're utilizing ketones in between their normal eating periods, we seem to be tending to reduce the amount of food they want to eat during those, those periods. So there, there tends to be more of a calorie restriction um, that ends up being inevitable when you have people, if you have them on a maintenance of, of trying to utilize these ketones in between like tw- twice a day or three times a day. Um, in in doing so, where you can't typically do that with the ketone salts because of the higher salt load and you only get, you know, your one, your one bang for your buck there, but, and you don't get your ketone levels that high um, uh, with that too. So, so I think you make a very good point in, in understanding this glucose aspect and with, with in particular with disease states and with COVID, you know that the innate immune system depends on glucose, and that's what drives this system and drives the the uh, the immune response by utilizing glucose. So by using the ketones, we're going to decrease the amount of glucose utilization. We're we're going to drive it down because we're going to turn we're going to turn in a different mechanism. So it does work that way. It does work that way in, in making the glucose process less effective. Uh, when the innate immune system is activated, and and that's a, that's another powerful part of this, um, uh, of this uh, um, uh, process of utilizing ketone esters.
0: Yeah, you bring up an interesting point that I hadn't thought of, especially for competitive athletes uh, or bodybuilders. Uh, insulin, in addition to lowering uh, driving glucose into the cell through GLUT4 regulation or translocation, is also an anabolic hormone. It helps build muscle mass, especially if you're integrated with resistance training. So the downside of it though, is that it's going to limit your ketone production or your body's ability to make ketones, even if you get the esters. But if you give her in the esters, you're going to get relatively high ketones and get all those benefits, even though you have high insulin, which is an absolute physiological anomaly and probably only ever happened in the 21st century because in nature, <laughs> you'll never find high insulin levels and high ketones, it doesn't happen. It, it just right. doesn't happen. Right. Now you can really uh, game the system and it, and almost all, and I think as we're doing this interview, the Tour de France is going on if I'm not mistaken. And I believe almost all the Tour de France athletes are uh, u- integra- using ketone esters. It's, Absolutely. You, you cannot compete at that level, not using these esters. It's the sort of this, the state of the art at this point. So it's an interesting strategy, especially if you're a seriously competitive athlete.
1: Absolutely. You're it's um, it's changed the game of athleticism. Uh, and it's uh, and there's a lot more to come with that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So are you doing any work with that now? And, and, uh, yes competitive athletics
1: absolutely yeah um and it's uh it's interesting i mean i i so i it i think people so so there's 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 different there's athleticism where um where the anabolic state is very important or the the uh the the where it's more you know, it's less anaerobic, it's anaerobic, more less aerobic. And then there's their aerobic sport. And what I would like to make the, the, the statement here today is that I find ketone esters, not just in the aerobic aspects of where you're, you're, you're doing certain things to mitigate the utilization of glucose and to keep glucose around longer um, uh, with the ability to produce more glycogen while you're using ketone esters there's also a great place for this in uh, on the strength side too um, because there is a, it's a combination and almost like considering the HIT type of activity. And uh, I found that these, you know, working within these strategies and just like you said, an understanding, you know, when, when people are training at these levels, the what what no one realizes it's it it's their post recovery it's their repair to go back and do that again that is so vital and important in preparing these athletes that's where you change the game that's where you make you you make that next day a totally different day for that athlete and and that's where i find the power of these things tremendous
0: yeah i'm curious if you've integrated some of the other strategies i mentioned earlier especially in the treatment of of the uh, SARS-CoV-2, things like the molecular hydrogen and the nebulized peroxide? Well, so I I, I
1: absolutely know what you're discussing. And um, from my aspect, I, I'm like the peptide expert. So I, <laughs> I am looking, I'm more on the TA1, thymusin alpha-1, and the VIP, vasoactive intestinal peptide, because those are, so we have we have some great clinical ICU data that's shown that you know, decreased mortality with both of those peptides and their utilization. So that's kind of been my forte in working on modulating the immune system and, and what we've done, and it's been very effective. But I I agree with you on, on what you said. I'm very familiar with it, and it's just another way. Uh, it's another tool in the toolbox for all of us to have uh, if we understand how to work with the... the uh, aspects of what, how powerful antioxidants can be, and in particular the nebulized aspect of the uh, hydroperoxide, which you're talking about, which is so important in the lungs when these people are in this state, because they need to have that active, that that immediate oxidative uh, aspect of of dealing with those free radicals, and and so there are other, you know, with the we do some of those things through our utilization of peptides by preparing the body,
0: but also letting the body do that also.
1: But I think all those strategies together are very strong.
0: Well, the nice thing about the other two as opposed to the peptides is that they're readily available and they're almost free. I mean, peroxide, I'm assuming you have the nebulizer, the amount of money you're gonna pay for nebulizing the peroxide is less than one penny. Uh, and the molecular hydrogen isn't much more you know, a few tablets, I mean, it's well under a dollar, maybe 50 cents. So, uh, and it's, they're pretty available. So uh, and easy to use, virtually no side effects. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's a real tragedy in my view that these I- interventions and uh, exposure to understanding the education of these interventions is being censored and limited because they're so powerful and profoundly effective and they could radically change the name of the game, Uh, at least in treatment of acute infections. I think there's other strategies such as becoming metabolically flexible and optimizing your vitamin D levels, which are even uh, more foundational and preventive and prophylactic, that uh, if you've integrated these beforehand, your resilience and your ability to uh, resist becoming symptomatic with this infection is radically increasing in in which case you don't need these you know and i think it's these from my view and i'm wondering what you're recommending it sounds like you might be a little more aggressive than i i would be inclined to agree with but you know i I don't think that these interventions other than molecular hydrogen which is generally beneficial i take it pretty much every day uh but i i I don't do nebulized hydrogen i don't do exogenous ketones i do it endogenously through my intermittent fasting and use of MCT oils. So uh, I think these interventions need to be reserved for them. Although you could make an argument if someone's unwilling to commit to a cyclical ketogenic diet where they're able to generate endogenous ketones for whatever reason, they just choose not to. And I think it's an unwise decision, but they choose not to. And then, and if they can afford it, then ketone esters. I think you could justify it, that it would make sense, but I, I don't know that it's optimal. Sure. Well, so we're kind
1: of hitting on the same thing, but at different times, di- at different points of of how we look at it. Um, number one, I will say, I, I took a tremendous amount of heat on on another basic tool of just using um, uh, baking soda or like Alka Seltzer Gold to help in treating this um, the, the these issues that happen with the the increased acidic aspects of of what happens with the, um, inflamed state, but more, more so getting down to the molecular level, what happens is you get these, uh, peroxynitrites that are the things that do travel. They're the real free radicals that are, are having a a great effect because they have a half life and they travel and bicarb immediately neutralizes that immediately. And so I had tremendous, uh, wait, wait, wait. Are are, are you saying bicarb, Reduces the levels of peroxynitrites. It it neutralizes it immediately. Yes.
0: Wow, that is extraordinary because it is the the probably the the free radical that's most responsible for damage from EMF. And I'm wondering Correct. what literature you have to support that. That because that I've never heard that before. That is amazing.
1: Yes, yes, that's well. It's um, it's why it's been you know it was one of these initial initially it was one of those easier things that everybody had it in their cupboard. And it was something that I could get a message to somebody to say, look, they're stuck in their house. They've got these issues starting. And I say, just let's, let's build your bicarb level up really slowly with like we do in athletes with, you know, we'll go through this process of, because again, gastric distress can be an issue with just pure baking soda. It typically isn't with like Alka-Seltzer gold just cause it's, it's buffered. But um but yes, I, I've. Uh, I'm, so, what's I'm, your what's your protocol for uh, for
0: increasing the, the bicarb?
1: So, I, I like if, if it's if if you can get the Alka Seltzer Gold. But it seems like since we started all this, now you can't even get it on Amazon. But um, it, I think they've caught up with being able to produce it. But the, I like people taking the uh, the the Alka Seltzer Gold. It has to be that specifically doesn't have the aspirin in it. And I'll have people take just to, just to build up their bicarb level. I'll have them take two tabs in the morning, um, two tabs in the middle of the day and two tabs at night. And that's just a, that's just the beginning. Um, And I'll have them do that for about three days uh, to a week. And then I just have them go down to just doing two tabs a day. Uh, And then that that's just kind of been an easy prophylaxis. And we utilize that also uh, we'll utilize bicarb in many other aspects. I'm sure, as you know, in in immune diseases and so forth. It just depends on what what we're doing. Well,
0: it's a, it's a useful strategy. I personally d- not really fond of sodium bicarb. But I like uh, potassium bicarb better. Yes, taste terrible. But if you can, I integrate it into my smoothies, and then I take a big dose at night in a huge capsule. Great, which must be about I don't know, two two grams or so, uh, at least a gram and a half. So I I'm a it actually helps quite a bit for uh, people with kidney problems too, and reduces the risk of, of kidney stones. So it's a powerful treatment. Absolutely, and
1: and in fact, we could take that a step further and talking about how bicarb and ketone ester together.
0: Ah, make... what? Tell us about that. I hadn't heard of that one. What's the connection? Well, well, that gets back to
1: what I'm talking about with the athletes that were were improving performance when they need that instant burst they need the they need it's like the cyclist or it's the it's the hockey player or it's the football player it's it's like it takes it to a new level of where you you're you know we've done all the work with uh bicarbonate and how that absolutely improves um the uh output the power output of the cell uh of the muscle um, just based on improving the uh, the ability to work against um, the buildup of uh, lactic acid over time, you know, it's just improving their ability to perform longer. And when you combine ketones and uh, and bicarbonate, you've just you've just all of a sudden changed the playing field. And and that's that's the um,
0: you know it, I, I'm curious because. It, would, it was traditionally thought that lactic acid, which is a metabolic byproduct of heavy exercise, uh, is detrimental. But as we evolved in our understanding of science, we came to realize that is a really important biomolecule. And actually, Absolutely. many people are taking lactic acid as a supplement. So I'm wondering, it would seem that if you had large amounts of bicarb, that you might in some way inhibit or impair the, the activity of lactic acid.
1: No, you're still getting the signaling of that process. You're, you're still, you're not affecting what the lactic acid is important in the brain. It's important mm-hmm. it, it because it it's, what's going to improve the increase in insulin for you also. I mean, this is, this is what the key here is, is understanding that you're not changing signaling. All you're doing is controlling the pH of the cell because you're still making, you're still making it. Okay. okay. And, and so the signaling is utmost importance of, of, Improving that insulin to improve that utilization of glucose. So it's so, it's just a really amazing circle. And if you understand these pathways, you've got some just tremendous tools that are um, that are are WADA approved. or, you know? There's no there's no stipulations and, against and any those of those.
0: Those who don't know that WADA is World Anti-Doping Association, which is the regulatory body for supervising athletes to make sure they're not cheating. Thank you. Yes. Um, so, what type of dose? If you, if, if you're assuming you're not using the cells or gold, would you recommend how many grams of the bicarb per day?
1: Right. So, if you're using, so that's tougher. Um, so, I just go by milliequivalents, and okay. um, and if you're just using baking soda by itself, I'll have people start with a half a teaspoon, and I'll have them do. I'll have them load up a half a teaspoon. Uh, about every three hours and I'll have them do like six doses and I'll have them do that for a few days. And then I have them go to a full, a full teaspoon and I'll have them do it three times a day. And then I'll do that teaspoon like that three times a day for a few weeks. And that'll, that'll, that'll get them, um, that'll get the bicarb level, you know, the, it'll get their, it'll get the pH where, where we're, we're in a place of, you know, we're not, we're not gonna change, so to speak, the, the chemistry, but we're giving bicarb there that's going to challenge the, the uh, ionic change of um, you know the, the hydrogen ions that are gonna be produced. It's, it's gonna be able to challenge that instead of going into the muscle and taking glutamine and then to the liver to produce ammonia you know, to balance out the pH. It, we're not gonna need to do that. And, and so we're preserving muscle, we're preserving bone, um, and I think that's the key to, um, you know, I'm sure as you, let, let me take this a step further if I, if I can, I'm really a, a tremendous believer in the uh, and, and the research is there of understanding that, you know, the diets today are just set up to destroy that acid-based metabolism. and over time, what I just described is what's happening. You get a slow leak of, of loss of amino acid from the from the muscle. It's we've studied it based on nitrogen that's that's been produced in the urine, and and the kidney has to make up for this acid buildup because of the the protein buildup. Um, it has to deal with it by taking. Uh, um, amino acids from muscle or alkali from bone. Okay. So we've, you've got this strategy of utilizing bicarb that, that it changes that. It stops osteopenia. It stops sar, uh, um, sarcopenia. And on top of it, it's got these other aspects of improving cell metabolism. It's, it, and like you said, it's another thing that's pennies on the dollar, right?
0: Yeah, we love the inexpensive, simple, safe, virtually no side effect treatments. Those are the best type. That's the one I really seek to understand. And I really appreciate your insights on this because I've known about the use of bicarb, but never, never fully and more deeply appreciated its value. So, so I think it's going to be something I'm more widely promoting now. So let's get back to the ketones. Uh, well, actually, but before we go to the ketones, I want this measure of it has to do with testing. So I'm wondering, with the alkali, when, when you came to your conclusions, if you were measuring uh, serum bicarb or arterial uh, urine,
1: bicarb. Just urine. urine, just urine, yeah. urine, urine, yeah, really? Yes, yeah. You can raise the pH in your urine. It's easy test. It's an easy test to do. You, you know, you, you. If you find out if you use those urine strips, you got to uh-huh. use, you got to make sure you're using the right ones. Um, I can't remember the name. There's an. There's one that's easily obtainable. Um, you're gonna see most people's urine pHs are lower, you know, six five, six, sure. maybe six, whatever. I've just tried to get them above seven. That's all I'm trying to do is okay. get them. So just,
0: just urinary pH. Yes. It. Yes. Okay.
1: It's easy for do- them to follow. It's just simple.
0: And you could do it with litmus paper too. Yes. That's a simple way to do it. Yes. Okay. Well, yeah. that's 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 golden. So let's get to the testing of the ketones. So there's a wide variety of number of them. You can use urines, which I'm sure you're not recommending. I think we talked about earlier about using the blood, but even using the blood, there's about at least three or four different strategies to use, I'm wondering which one you're using. And and then finally, uh, if you looked at the breath acetone, the new measurements like, uh, um, oh, I forgot the new one now, <laughs> I use it every night. Or I'll, I'll, I'll remember what it is, but it's, um, I'll look it up. So, but let's talk about the blood ketones first. How, how you're measuring them?
1: Yeah. So I I've kind of gotten to 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 give you where I'm at now. I just knowing relative to how much ketone that I'm going to give to a patient. If it's a male, I'm using 10 mL. If it's a female, I'm using 5 mLs because I used to see that that was the variance in how I would get to my one millimole level. I don't use the blood testing anymore. I, I'll have them do it if they're curious about it, but I. I've totally, I've gotten away from that over the last few years where I don't even, I don't even look at that anymore because I know I kind of have a pretty good idea of what I was able to look at through hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people of what the values were. And that, that's what, that's what tends to be, um, you know, the, those, uh, equivalent values. So, uh, the, the blood ketone testing is a very simple thing at the same time with your blood glucose. So, um, there was, I really didn't have any issues with that. And I'd have them do it. um, I'd have them do it 30 minutes after the use of the ketone. And I'd have also have them do it three hours after the use of the ketone, just to see if I was getting that three hour time window or more. And um, three hours always seemed to be, uh, I had no problem keeping them at one millimole or at three to five, depending on the amount, you know, like I said, if I was using 25 grams.
0: Interesting, I, I'm not sure that uh, a lot of people would agree with that though, because blood measurements seem to be the, the gold standard in, in doing that. But what I've learned recently though, and, and Dob DiAgostino was probably one of the leaders in ketone uh, research out there. Now the features has passed away. Um, but he is uh, particularly fond of uh, uh, the new instrument, which I couldn't recall earlier, which is Biosense. I was thinking of Bresens, but it's Biosense which is a little device that you can hold in the palm of your hand, and it measures breath ketones, or breath acetone, right. uh, which is one, of the, one of the ketones. Yeah, it's a yep. breakdown product, but it's you know, you've got beta-hydroxybutyrate, acetone, and acetoacetate. Uh, the, uh, it's completely different than ketonics, which I've had probably three or four of those, and which is relatively inaccurate the BioSense is pretty cool. I mean, it's it's really easy to use. There's no sticking. That's a little pricey. It's a few hundred dollars. Uh, but once you have it, you could basically test your your ketones unlimited. And it's and it correlates really well because it gives you a number from zero to 40. Zero means you're not really making any ketones and 40 would be the high limit. And uh, it's actually translated, as, it's like 10 times higher than your ketone level. So if you had a a number of 39 it would be your level would be about 3.9 and it does it doesn't go over 40 but it'll just it'll say high when it's over 40 so that you've rung the bell if you hit get the high so I've done that a few times but not many uh that's a that's a difficult number to achieve but uh it's a pretty interesting tool you might be interested in playing around with it but I like it especially if you're serious about this I think it's pretty helpful uh and the other thing is, to, I wonder if you played with is the CGMs or continuous glucose monitoring systems.
1: You know, I find those fascinating, and I I have not. I would, I think they could be very useful tools.
0: Yeah, there's an interesting company that's called Nutrisense that I'm going to start playing, yes. uh, and they make it a lot easier. You don't need a prescription for it because I I did the Dexis Dexcoms five, like three years ago where you had to be as a physician, it's not a problem, but you had to have a physician's orders and are $3,000 a year. But the NutriSense makes it a lot easier. If you don't need a one year commitment, the maleus sensors for two weeks and they integrate the count, nutritional counseling with it, which is fantastic. And, and really teach you how to understand what happens when you eat foods. So I'm going to start playing with it with a recommending for a number of close friends of mine, because it's so hard to, Really, get an eye concept or an idea of what's going on unless you can see it in real time. And this is yeah. pretty much real time. I and mean, you know exactly, you ate that food and your blood sugar went through the roof. And, and there's so much information that's useful that you can get to help help uh, you change things so that you in, indeed are metabolically flexible.
1: I agree 100% with you on that. Um, I've been intrigued with it. I just haven't had the opportunity to really work with it.
0: Yeah, you might want to look at that NutriSense. I think it'd be something that's worthwhile. I'm sure they'd be willing to work with you and give you an opportunity to evaluate it. But I, I was intrigued with it. Uh, I learned about it from one of my friends, uh, Seam Lund, who's uh, had a similar good experience with it and was impressed with its work, so. All right, any other items you'd like to enlighten us with today? <laughs> no i want i do want to
1: say i i think uh, you you serve the public uh wonderfully with the things that you've done over the years uh you're you're ahead of the curve with all the thing all the information you bring to the public and my hats off to you with really educating people about what's relevant and what they can do the next day that absolutely makes a difference in their lives and i've I've been a subscriber of yours for a long time. So I, I, uh, I admire you and I love the work you do.
0: Well, thanks to you for that kind unsolicited endorsement. Appreciate that. But you know, it's easy to do. I'm passionate about health. I love optimizing it. I love being myself personally healthy. And that's one of the reasons why I started the newsletter was to share this with information with people because I, I was treating patients at the time. I would see God on a busy day, 25 patients in a day. And, you know, doesn't, that you know, a few thousand people in a year, that's, a, that's significant, but it's not millions of people and, and millions and billions of people need this information. And, and sadly, the uh, ability to communicate this information to others has been at least temporarily uh, uh, impaired because of censorship from Google and most of the social media. But interestingly, and I really haven't shared this publicly prior to this, I'm, I'm pretty confident that in the not too distant future, we are going to have a decentralized internet, which means there is no way in the world that is physically possible to censor anything on the decentralized internet. And that is coming folks, that is coming. So I'm in the process of working to establish our site in the decentralized platform, but not only ours, but encourage other people to do this so that information can be freely shared, that you can't suppress it. You don't have to read or look at it, but to have the powers that be you know the major platforms that people receive information censored is to me a crime against humanity uh so it need, uh, information should be freely available to everyone whether and you can choose to believe it or read it or not that's your choice but everyone should have that choice
1: absolutely absolutely yeah. If, uh, and if it's possible, I would just like to plug, I have my book that, uh, that's just been oh, uh, published. That's coming I didn't out
0: know on... that. No one told me you had a book. I would have yeah. got a copy and read it. Sorry about it's,
1: that. Well, it's on, it's on peptide protocols. It's the only, it's the first book in the world on, uh,
0: that's a whole uh, other topic.
1: <laughs> yeah, it sure is. It's on, it's really about metabolism. It's really about cellular efficiency and, and I'm, I'm a cell guy and, and it's, all of this is related and that's I think that's where I think you've done a just a tremendous job in bringing people back to science and that that this is where it is important this is these are the reasons that you and I went to medical school it it was Mm -hmm. to it was to utilize those those things that they first taught us in in our first couple of classes and then we we went we don't I don't know where we went after that and, and it went away but but you've brought all that back, and and I think that's just so valuable for people to understand that there are there is real science behind everything we do.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's it's easy as a physician that both of us have, have ventured out into the alternative realms is to uh, be angry with ourselves and not forgive ourselves for not understanding the reality of things. But the, the truth of the matter is that this is a a really orchestrated effort of propaganda that's really been facilitated by the pharmaceutical companies to brainwash, and I mean that in the truest sense of the word, medical students and physicians go in training that the pharmaceutical model is the model to follow. And they literally essentially censored natural medicine at the beginning of the 20th century through Andrew Carnegie and his foundation and uh, the Rockefellers and they suppressed this, was actively suppressed because Rockefeller really, he founded the drug companies. I mean, the, the, he was the oil guy and they made almost all the pharmaceuticals from oil. So he, that was his passion. And, and he really developed this cartel to uh, avoid, not avoid, but limit the, this, the uh, teaching of this information to the, the profession. So as physicians in training, we were never given this. We had to go outside and learn it from other sources uh, this is gradually changing, changing, but not that much. It's pretty much the same as we do both when you and I were in school. So right. sadly there, it's reality, but doesn't make, doesn't alter the truth. Yeah.
1: I, would also like to thank my guy, my, I was fortunate enough to work with on this paper, this, uh, metabolic, uh, therapy with ketones. Uh, it was, uh, uh Bill Cur- William Curtis, Bill Curtis and Patrick Bradshaw, both from the Veach Lab work, all the, all the bench oh, work. William Bill is... Curtis, you know, I got to yeah. work with the best in the world. And um, I can't say that uh, I, I'm, I'm just very fortunate to have been part of that.
0: I couldn't agree more. I, uh, Bill has personally mentored me through very long phone calls, hour, two hour phone calls. He is just brilliant. And he's been a very serious inspiration to me because he really wasn't that Right when he first started this, but he he was he has Parkinson's disease and and then sought uh, Dr. Veach's uh, assistance in this when he did with ketone esters and he wound up being his assistant and really wrote most of his papers before he passed. I mean, he was the main guy and he's still, and he's, still he's just brilliant. I mean, he he is the guy that helped me understand NADPH was being made by the ketone esters. I had no clue. It was a total. And I couldn't understand why the ketone acid, ketones would mitigate ionizing radiation and, he, and he, he helped walk me through the pathways and everything. He, Bill has been phenomenal. It's just really great.
1: Yeah. I, I can't say enough and agree with you more.
0: All right. All right. Well, thanks. What's the name of your book? Uh, it's called uh,
1: uh, Peptide Protocols, Volume 1. All right. Is it an academic textbook or is it something for the layperson? It, it is an academic book for doctors, but it's written also, the beginning of the book is actually, I think, well-written for most everyone that they could read and get a concept of, of kind of how I think medicine is, is changing to more of a concept of understanding you know, the process of all the things you talk about every day, basically.
0: Well, good. All right. Well, thanks for sharing your wisdom with us and everything you're doing. Appreciate your help.
1: All right. Great. Great to be part of it. Thank you.